0: Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to The Coaches Panel. This is Nat Five from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Vandenbrie from the Collingwood Football Club, you're listening
1: to The Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell, you're listening to The Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from The Coaches Panel, I hope you're well. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant today. We hit the teens, can you believe it? Over 30 episodes, over the past 30 odd days... And we're now only about three weeks left to go, just shy of that, in fact, of the 50 most relevant for 2023. As we hit number 19 today, we're talking about one of the breakout premiums that nobody predicted in 2022. Jack Sinclair is who we're discussing today on the podcast and joining me on this episode as you've got to know him very well throughout this preseason. I hope you've been loving his work. I know we have here at the Coaches Panel. It's Minnie Monk. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm
0: not too bad. How about yourself?
1: I'm um, good. Look, he's a fascinating guy to get into. We'll run through his data and trends and what he did for us in 2022. But so much of the preseason, Mini Monkeys spent throughout the months of January and February, especially kind of pontificating and hypothesizing around what might happen for us in the fantasy community. And while I'm sure there was probably someone somewhere that called it, there wasn't too many people that saw this big breakout come from him, were there?
0: No. And he really was in the same price bracket as as Hewitt and Sicily to start the season across yeah. formats. And yet people have talked about them and the breakouts they had and well, progression back to being a top six premium in the case of Sicily. But the breakouts that they had, Sinclair had something similar. I mean, he went from being someone who was in the 80s across formats really to being yeah. you know the number 1 defender in Supercoach and top 3 in AFL fantasy last year those are just phenomenal figures for him he's just absolutely out of the box season all australian honors as well just a fantastic player to watch last year as well
1: yeah, he's not just a great fantasy player who's amazing to watch. A top score last year across the formats was also his career high scores. That was a 146 against the the Western Bulldogs in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and a 150 against Carlton in Supercoach. He is just defensive eligible for us this year, but Mini Monk's already alluded to that stunning season in terms of what he did in averages. A 102.9 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and a 113.7 in SuperCoach, you are not getting him at the value that you got last year if you want Sinclair at least in your starting squad you're going to be paying up for it $934,200 in DT just a touch over $910,000 in AFL fantasy and $626,200 in SuperCoach. it was already beautifully covered from mini monk just before about that all Australian season he also picked up his maiden best and fairest at the club But he was amazing in so many different areas. He ranked elite for inside 50s, ground ball gets, intercept possessions, pressure acts, score involvements, effective kicks, contested, uncontested possessions. First in the entirety of the the AFL League for kicks per game, uh, in the top 10 for effective disposals, top 20 for bounces, metres gained, disposals. How do you sum up that 22 season in one word? Elite He was just elite as a rebounding defender for us last year. And that stunning season did translate into fantasy scores. 10 dream team and fantasy tons last year. A few of them really, really big ones as well. A 133, a 140, and a 146 for his three scores of 120 plus. So some nice ceiling there for a defender. Seven additional scores on top of these 10 tons between 93 and 99. And in the really the only game he got tagged last year was the one game he dipped his score under 80. That average of 102.9 had him second uh, amongst all defenders behind only Sam Doherty for averages and for total points in defenders. And inside the entirety of Dream Team and Fantasy, he ranked 10th last year for total points and had the 16th highest average. While in Supercoach, even better, a seasonal average of 113.7 had him as the top defender across this format for points and averages. 19 tons out in Stutter, 86% of his games last year. 19 of those 22. He hits triple digits. Five scores, 120-plus, and some really big ceilings here. 133, 135, 140, and 150 were just a few of those 120-plus scores. And just the one score under 80 all year, a 79. Seventh for total points across the entirety of the game, and eighth for the highest average. Pretty safe to say, Binnie Monk, if you didn't have him last year, you probably didn't have a great season towards the top of the ranks.
0: Oh, it hurt if you didn't have him last oh, year. Oh, yeah. It really hurt because there were so many people that started, you know, a couple of premium defenders, a couple of mid-prices down back, and they only really had a couple of upgrade options. And come in the early, you know, six or seven rounds, Sinclair's scoring pretty well, averaging about 105, 110 in Supercoach and around about the 9,500 mark in AF. And people probably missed him at the upgrade point at that point. A lot of people got on him just before his buy and mm. rode him from there. But if you didn't have him, man, it hurt because he just never dropped a bad score. His only bad game for the year was a game where he was tagged by Ryan Clark. Who he kills every rebounder. Yeah, <laughs> he, he did a number of jobs on top-end defensive premiums throughout the back half of the 22 season. And so you really can't blame him for that. If you've got a player, a defender premium... Who's able to hit a hundred mark in super coach in nearly ninety percent of his games mm-hmm. and doesn't drop below eighty in AF except for when he's tagged? You mm-hmm. take that and you run to the bank every day of the week. And, and there's only one reason. There's only one reason he's probably not in the top ten of the fifty most relevant this year. Yeah, and it's the it's the the bleedingly obvious. It's the change in coach.
1: And well, let's just... talk about it because that's the yeah. one that's got everyone concerned because. You look at it and you go, huh. amazing. Maybe doesn't have the ceiling of tons that you'd want in supercoat in Dream Teams, should I say. But that's mitigated by just how high that basement is a floor. So, so, but, you know, let's not get too critical on him. Let's talk about that. Ross Lyon comes in, known for being a more defensively minded coach, still had some fantasy weapons in his day, both at Fremantle and at St Kilda in his first iteration there. We've talked about this a few times on the podcast that we let people know that you're a Fremantle supporter. Can you, before we look specifically about um, what it means for him at St Kilda and back to Sinclair, with the rebounders that were at his disposal at Fremantle, what were the things that you noticed? And is there any comparable lessons that we can correlate across with now that he's at St Kilda?
0: I think at Freya, he was known for a very controlling game style. There was a lot of switches, a lot of pressing the ball up the ground by just taking a short chip on the 45 mm-hmm. and using that to control the game and slow it down a bit at times. And that often led to the low scoring game plan that you saw with Freya, you know, through the the late, or through the mid to late teens. And I wasn't around playing too much fantasy during those times, but I can only imagine that, you know, there was a few players in that fair halfback line, like Johnson and McFarland, and to a lesser extent, players like Bradley Hill and yeah. Stephen Hill during that time that were able to score probably quite well through that. And I'd expect that he probably influenced a similar game plan with the Saints. I yeah. mean, you've got the cattle to be able to do that. You've got a really strong midfield that can, you know, shut it down, keep it in tight with Brad Steele, Zach Jones. Um, they've got a, a few young big bodied midfielders that are going to try and come through and provide the same sort of pre- presence. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what he ends up doing. Maybe he employs a very similar game plan. And there's a lot of, you know, chipping around the half-back flank players, getting a lot of plus sixes being able to take a lot of effective kicks and, you know, maybe Sinclair can build a school build like that. But the problem is yeah. Ross himself has said, he's going to probably change his game plan to what he had when he was at Fremantle.
1: That's true. And so the game's changed. We, yeah.
0: The game has changed. It's been, What is it? Five, six years since he last coached.
1: Half a dozen seasons, yeah.
0: Yeah, so you you really don't know what he's going to come into, and so I'd say that he's definitely a preseason watch, and the Saints are definitely a preseason watch to see how their game plan adjusts for the twenty twenty three season under his coaching.
1: Yeah, we we know probably one certainty about what was their back seven or eight mix matchups last year, where Hill was often on one of the flanks. Sinclair on the other yeah um, Ross Lyon's been really really clear in numerous media outlets that Hill's moving back up to the wing they want his drive and run that they loved now remember he was brought over to Fremantle under Ross Lyon's tutoring at that time so he loves what he brings in terms of his run and carry his skill his dare so so we can kind of see a little bit of an opportunity opening up for Sinclair. Not so much in kick-ins. He's already got the, the bulk share in that. It, it, it's him, and then it really falls away to to Webster. He's like well and truly ahead. It's not mm. quite uh, Luke Ryan territories, but, but it's heading in the ballpark where he's got the share. I, I suppose there's two ways of viewing him becoming the main solo rebounder, Mini Monk. One is he's got the ball always coming through him. He's the rebounder. He's the one that we want to get the ball in his hands. He's the one they want to set up the play from kick-ins. He's the one they want to move it through. So that's the positive where we might see some scoring pop. The flip side of that is if he's the only generator of rebound and run, even if teams aren't going to aggressively tag like a Ryan Clark, he could find himself with some additional attention and as such, potentially a limited output, more so on his ceiling of fantasy scoring.
0: I think that is a fair comment. He's definitely going to be the quarterback of that Saints back six. He's going to be controlling everything. He has free reign to basically do whatever he wants with the ball in that back six. And he showed that last year as well. He did. Um, And like you said, that can be a bad thing because it might mean that he gets a lot of attention. Um, But, You know, not a lot of his team, not a lot of teams will be tagging off the halfback flank. Most teams tend to tag in the midfield because that's where they tend to think the damage is going to be done. And if it's a team that's tagging in the midfield, the attention's going to go to Jack Steele before it goes to Jack Steele. Oh,
1: 100%.
0: Too many Jacks at St. Kilda. It gets confusing as it is. Um, And and you look at his opening run, and you can really only think that there's maybe one team that might tag him, and that's Essendon. They might send Cold War back to tag him. But even then, it's, you know, it's a 50-50 whether he goes to, to Sinclair or to Steele. And the dreaded Ryan Clark tag doesn't come mm. until after his buy. So <laughs> if you're wanting to start him as a unique over players yeah. like Doherty, Brayshaw, Stewart, Sicily, he's got a pretty nice run to start the year. I mean, he's got a got lot of games under the roof at Marvel where he Ooh, absolutely scores. racks it up. And St Kilda have got a relatively soft run to start the year. So he could be a really nice, unique option if you're wanting to go that way and and go against the pack.
1: Yeah, he's under 15% ownership across all the formats under 10% in some of them. I know there are some concerns in different corridors of the fantasy community that Jack won't have this plum halfback role. Uh, There's been, sometimes people have gone and, and commented when they've gone to watch St. Kilda doing match simulations or some training. Oh, he's been with the midfield group and people always read a lot into that sometimes for good reason, other times not. But, but the reality is even if, if, he doesn't play as the rebounder. There was still a number of games last year where he had some really strong centre bounce attendances between 31% and 71% of centre bounces. There was four weeks last year he sat in that portion of data. And in those four games, he averaged 99 in AFL, Fantasy and Dream Team and 103 in Supercoach. If you contrast just that four games split across the year, that would still, by average put him as a top six defender. So yes, there's a lot that's changed, so it can't be apples and apples. But if that's the, oh no, he goes into the midfield. Okay, he becomes a baseline ton defender for us. Fine, that that's perfectly fine. And if you're looking to be aggressive and take the game on, as Mini alluded, is a very viable strategy due to his ownership and his scoring potential. If you're okay with that being the worst possible outcome, well, then happy days. You're away. What you're really, I suppose, looking for, Mini Mike, I'm keen on your take on this, is if you're starting Sinclair, you're probably hoping for at least the first six weeks, if not for the season, he matches it with the likes of a Sam Doherty in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and pushes that 110, while at the very least maintains and holds that 115 range in super Coach. So between round nine and 18 last year, which does include that Sydney tagged game, by the way. Um, that nine-week stretch, he goes one fourteen in SuperCoach, one fourteen in Dream Team and Fantasy. That's what you really need him to be right out of the gate to feel like him as a starting squad option is going to be a viable move.
0: Yeah. So in AFL Fantasy I, and, and Dream Team, I think he has to either narrow the gap to Doherty, mm-hmm. or you know create separation away from the ones that are chasing him in Dawson. And Brayshaw and Shaw, or not and Stewart in that gap. He needs to be able to build five points of separation there or gain five points on Doherty to be able to have the upside that you probably want to start with him. Whereas mm-hmm. in Super Coach, he needs to at least stay in the same range of pack as, as those other 600K defenders. And he can do it. I mean, yeah. we've talked about his run to start the season. There is absolutely we're a world where he ends up as d1 in supercoach after the first six weeks and he's averaging 120 and he's yeah. got five points of separation from the rest of the pack
1: absolutely and
0: there's a world where he's averaging 110 in afl fantasy over the first six weeks as well and matching it with with sam doherty and so the question is do you want to start him and try and take that punt and think that you've got yourself the d1 of cross formats essentially because mm-hmm. he can match that level or do you want to upgrade into him at some point during the season Upgrading into him at some point during the season is going to be hard.
1: If he flies out of the game, yeah.
0: And you talked about his consistency through the year. He only had one game below 80. It was a tag. Tag him against Ryan Clark. The Sydney game against uh, St. Kilda comes right after his bye this year. It's going to be a really awkward time to be able to try and upgrade into him. So you're banking on him having a poor game or a couple of subpar games at some point early in the season for you to be able to jump onto him. There's easily an argument. You just start him because he's never going to get to a point where he's cheap enough to justify jumping on.
1: We talked about this the other day with Marcus Bontempelli where his bad games are never so bad that you feel like you're getting him at a value point. You're always paying up to go and get him. And, And so really with Sinclair, what we're talking about is he's relevant because if he starts the way he delivered in 2022, good luck. Getting him at a discounted price. And if you get a guy at the top of the tree in the back line that is unique and scoring with ceiling and a high floor, oh, you're going to be setting yourself up for success. If he has a slower start to the year, maybe a tag comes or some of that just St. Kilda game style doesn't mesh early on with how they want to play. I can guarantee you. Everybody, if he does drop cheap, will be screaming to get him as early as they can because they know just how good of a fantasy prospect he can be. Whether he's in your starting squad or you're really watching him because you want to upgrade to him early in the season, he's relevant. And that's what this series is all about, It's talking about the most relevant players. And without doubt, Minimug, he could define your season, whether you're on him or off him to start, he could define your season.
0: He is the type of player that can take the season away in six yeah. games. And these are the really, really scary ones when it comes to your starting squad because there's only yeah. about half a dozen of them across all fam- formats and across all lines that can do it. Because if yeah. he has a stretch where he pops a couple of 140s, 150s and he did last in him. AFL Fantasy Dream Team and Supercoach, which is well within his wheelhouse and he has mm-hmm. 5% ownership, You have him, you're screaming up the ranks. You don't have him, you are selling the farm to try and get to him.
1: Yeah, 100%. And remember, the price only matters if you're purchasing or you're selling. If you're owning, the price doesn't matter. So if he's lost a little bit of value and it's like, oh no, people are getting him 50,000 cheaper. That's all right. You've got his points. The price only matters if you're selling Or if you're purchasing. Other than that, the price doesn't matter. He's a fascinating guy to think about in salary caps, but equally mini monk in drafts, because people see how good he was last year, they do get concerned that is this the outlier or is this just the start of a new normal? Where do you think he goes on draft days? He's no doubt a D1, but where do you see his range across the formats?
0: Oh, he's definitely no doubt a D1. And you know, he comes into Super Coach as quite literally the d1 he's the highest averaging super coach player down back but i don't think he'll go as the highest defender and super coach i think he probably goes around that somewhere in the d3 to d5 range depending on how how people are viewing the others around him and that probably puts him at around about the the middle of the second round in that format and i think an afl fantasy probably drops a little bit further probably about the d5 d6 range on some people's radars maybe a d4 i'm talking overall rankings But I think in AFL fantasy, people are going to be more inclined to take the big mids, the big forwards, the couple of big rocks that we have, and he might push to a late second rounder, maybe early third rounder. I think if you can get him on the turn of the end of the second round, early third round, you'd be pretty happy locking him away as your D1 there.
1: Yeah, oh, I think you're spot on, man, with that. Hey, Minimunk, as always, you've been absolutely nailing it over the past week. You've been giving us great analysis on Zach Butters, Nat Fife. and now again today, Jack Sinclair. So thank you for your work, my friend. Oh, thank you for having me. If you want to go and check out the article on Jack or any of the other players revealed so far in the 50 most relevant, they are online for you now at coachespanel.tv. If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you've given a nice five-star rating and review. We've got new podcasts dropping every single day right throughout pretty much most of February, let alone for what we've been doing so far for you through all of January. And our Patreon supporter group is a place where you can go for just a few dollars a month. You can support us here at The Coaches Panel. It helps us practically do what we do. And just as a reward for it, we'll kick some extra content your way, hidden groups and a bunch of other podcasts, Keeper League content and a heap of other stuff. You can find that at coachespanel.tv. Number 18 in the 50 most relevant tomorrow. Who is it? Let me give you a little bit of a clue. Not very often when you talk about a premium at the top of their line that you then ascribe and assign value to them. But the splits between this premium in their line, between what they gave us for good chunks of last year, could put him as the number one in his line. Where there's another chunk, It could put him as irrelevant, but there's a big question mark that I think a lot of people are assuming will go positive for him. But is this person going to be the top of his line or right near it like many suspect or are the doubts valid? Who are we talking about? I'll tell you tomorrow in the 50 most relevant.